like that. You Hello, everybody. Welcome that. to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's a fun one today. It's a fun one because it is a football Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourself a round of ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, give yourself a round of applause for this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We made it. We made it to Friday. Sorry for whatever the hell noise that was, but hey, we made it. That's all that really matters. We do not care. I do not care that I'm making weird noises right now because I'm just so excited. My body doesn't know how to react. But before we get into the exciting talking points today, make sure you're doing the most important things, and that's following Logan Blyman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. On Twitter, you can find me at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram, you can find me at Blackman Logan and The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, pop up, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe, follow, like, whatever. Watch a few videos, click on a few posts there as well. And make sure you go to the LoganBlackmanShow.com. Go to the blog section and look at some of the blogs we've had posted over the past however many years. We've been doing this. It's fun. I put a lot of effort into the blogs. I would appreciate it if you guys looked at it. Give it a little heart if you feel obligated to. And of course, while we're talking about rating things, make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. And leave a rating out of five stars on both. Leave a description down below on both. It could be about the individual episode. It could be about episodes in general. It could be about the show in general. It could be whatever the hell you want. Just as long as you leave a description, I would greatly appreciate it. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, this is the first time in a little bit that we have... At least that's at least it feels like this. I could I could be wrong about this, but it feels like this that we recorded three days in a row. There's been there's been a lot of stuff going on, and I don't know if I talked about what happened on last Thursday. So last Thursday we were going to record a show as per as per we record shows every month Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. But last week Thursday we had a little bit of a a mishap, I guess maybe not mishap, miss not that not that, but we did we decided to do a little excursion instead. So, Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, it's an elite matchup last week. It's between the Browns and Steelers. I wanted to watch it because it's football, and you know, like we've talked about a thousand times in the show, us as Americans are brainwashed and our our lives circulate around the sport of football, at least most of us. I know there's a fair few of us out there that don't really care about the sport of football. Most of you out there watch football on a daily basis, and Thursday Night Football, when Thursdays are just the day before Friday, I know there's Thirsty Thursdays and things like that, but Thursday... You got to watch an elite quarterback matchup, Jacoby Brissett, taking on Mitchell Trubisky. That's what you want to see. That's what the people want. Like, you went from Josh Allen, Matt Stafford, week one. You had Mahomes and Herbert. And then last week, you had Trubisky versus Brissett. Now we've got another going back towards the, I don't know, better quarterback matchups. Tua Tagovailoa and Joe Burrow, the number one in five picks from the 2020 NFL Draft. Should be fun. Should be very, very fun. The cut the quarterback. <laughs> The, the Dolphins reportedly, I don't know how true this statement is, but basically the coaching staff was trying to get everybody but Tua. <laughs> so there were reports of them trying to trade up to the number one pick to get Joe Burrow. Because remember there was reports about Burrow being skeptical about going to Cincinnati, at least that's what reports were saying. We don't know how true those reports were, but there were rumors about Joe Burrow hesitant on the idea of going to Cincinnati. So they were going to trade back and the Bengals were going to draft Justin Herbert, who they coached in the Senior Bowl. So that was going to be this whole thing, but the Bengals ended up drafting Burrow, Dolphins got Tua, and all this great things happened afterwards. The Bengals gone to a Super Bowl, now Burrow's getting killed, and Tua went from having a coach that despised every <laughs> his, every single breath to a coach that loves him and receivers that suck him off on a daily basis, saying he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, maybe not the greatest, but he's the most accurate quarterback of all time. We know that. We know that. Every time Tua pisses, he hits the ball. He hits the water every time. He does not get any splash marks anywhere. Straight shooter. Every single time. 
So we got that matchup tonight. But last week, we were going to watch that. So before that, though, my friend Andrew and I, we went on a longboard ride because I've been on this kick where I kind of kick myself about working out and then just not doing it. Like, I used to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go and work out. Like, I did that in college, like when I was at William Penn, not at UNI, but mostly because I had to for football. And then I did it for, like, a few months ago. I went about a month and a half stretch, like right before we went to Montana. I went on a month and a half, two-month stretch where I worked out almost every day at 6 o'clock in the morning. Then I got back from Montana, and I just got, I can't find myself getting up at 6 o'clock to go work out. I get up around that time. Like 6, 30, 7 o'clock to go ready for work. But I can be at home for a little bit before I have to go to work. I'm not going in and then working out and then doing all that stuff. So I was like, okay, you know what, Logan? We're going to get some sort of physical activity in. So we go out in Longboard. We tour around the city of Grimes, go to New Grimes, Old Grimes, all that stuff. But the main thing that we were doing. So I have a couple friends that host a podcast called Dip Lips. I've made an appearance on it before. You guys should check it out on Spotify and iHeartRadio, I believe, is what they're also on. And Jared, who was in this group chat with me and Andrew because we live in the same building, I we I texted them and Jared said, "Hey, I'm going to make an appearance on Diplet." So I was like, "Hey, Andrew, do you want to you want to crash it and do like a WWE style entrance?" Like, because Alec records his podcast in the garage, and there is a door from to, from the house area to the garage that from where they're recording, you cannot see the door open. If you open up sli- the slightest, you can hear it obviously open, but. It doesn't open that wide. It's at a weird angle to where they couldn't see what was going on. And especially when you're not expecting it, you're not going to know what the hell is going on. So Andrew and I had this plan. We practiced through some some entrances and stuff like that. We settled on that I was going to do Triple H. I was going to do Triple H. And then Andrew, I don't think we had an idea for Andrew because when we were about to head over, Andrew just started making dinner. We got back to their apartment. Uh, I don't remember what exact time. Maybe about 8 Sometime near the end of the first quarter of the Browns and Steelers game. And we went through a bunch of different intros. We did like John Cena's intro. We did The Undertaker, did Triple H, did all these different intros. And I was like, Angie, you know what? I I still want to do this because I think it'd be really, really funny. And (laughs) Andrew doesn't do it because he's making dinner at the time. So I go over there by myself and I knock on the front door because there is another door to the garage on the outside. But (laughs) we can't, we, um... Uh, that's that would they would be able to see that the other door they can't see, so I was gonna go through the house and their girlfriends are sitting. I want Alex's fiance and Jared's girlfriend were sitting upstairs, so I knock on the door, and they're not expecting me over. I told myself that I was gonna text them before and say, "Hey, don't freak out," but I will be. <laughs> I will be coming over. Completely forgot to do that. That's my bad. And coincidentally, they just watched the Jeffrey Dahmer, Def- Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix special or whatever it is. So they're already on edge, as it is. So when I they hear a knock on the door, not expecting anybody to be there, it, it freaks them out a little bit. It freaks them out a little bit. But then they notice that me, it's me, and then they get even more freaked out. <laughs> but they let me in. I, do, I go over the plan about what's going to happen. But I got to make sure they're not talking about anything that serious. Because you don't want them to be talking about a serious topic, and then you burst in with Triple H's entrance. And, it's time to play the game! You can't have that when you're talking about a serious topic. You gotta go in when they're talking about something stupid. You can't break in on a serious topic and blast Triple H. It changes the whole, the whole direction of the show. And I didn't want to do that. So I was sitting, and I had my ear against the wall, because they had the stairs, and you can kind of hear through the wall and the door. And I'm sitting there, leaned up against it, 
And they're talking about a serious topic at one point, so I go back upstairs. And then I go back down, listen again, and then they're talking about some of the house parties we threw in Cedar Falls. So then I put, I, I'm like, okay, here's the time to do this. Here's the time we do this. So I open the door slightly, slid out the speaker, turned the volume all the way up, and blasted Triple H's entrance. And on their show, I don't know if it's out yet, but <laughs> you can hear it. It's like a WWE-style entrance where they're just talking. And then all of a sudden, this Triple H's like, they're talking, and then, oh my god! It's Triple H! Like, all these different explosions going off and things like that. Like, it's just beautiful. It's beautifully done, beautifully choreographed and everything like that. It was just perfect. And then I made a, a guest. I wasn't planning on being on Alex's podcast. I was just going in there to do the intro, and then Andrew was going to follow in after me, or we were going to do vice versa, whatever. One of us was going to go in, and then we were going to have a delay, and then the second person would go in. But we didn't end up doing that. I was just going to do that and probably dip. I told Andrew I'd be back in, like, ten minutes. So, like, this is all I'm going to do. We're going to crash it. We're going to have a laugh. Everybody's going to laugh about it. We're going to cry laugh because we're laughing just so hard. But then I just ended up, Alec told me to pull up a chair and get a microphone. So I joined their podcast. So I was on there for like the last 15 minutes of it. It's a funny listen. If you haven't subscribed to that podcast already, I'd recommend it. It is really funny. I've been on there once before. I recommend listening to that episode as well because it's just, it's just a barrel of laughs. Just a barrel of laughs. I gave him some of my old microphones to help hopefully improve some of the quality, at least on the sound wave of that thing. But it's a, it's a it's a really good podcast. I recommend it. It's a lot more crude than mine is. <laughs> they're, they're, we've had one quote-unquote crude episode of the Logan Blyman Show, and that's when Zach and Kevin were on where we're cracking beers the entire time. Like, that's what, that's what Zach, or that's what Alec and Dean's podcast is. It's cracking beers, sitting back, and just having a conversation. There's not really a talking point going into it. It's just like... Hey, you want to talk about this as you're talking and you go like, oh, this reminds me of this, this, that. Good stuff. Very good stuff. So we had that. <laughs> that was, that was fun. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then I didn't, I didn't think we were going to start off the show just going over story time, but last night was also a pretty entertaining event. So Wednesday night, I went out with some of my friends. Uh, it was my friends, Isaac and Aaron, and we went up to Outback Steakhouse. We know we went fine dining at Outback Steakhouse. In Ankeny, Iowa, you know, the greatest of great, you know, Australian cuisine. And one of our friends, so Aaron and I, our friend, or all of us, me, Isaac, and Aaron, our friend Jake, uh, we went to, we grew up with him, we went to church together, and we go to, we would go to like Texas Roadhouse, we go to Applebee's, and every time we go to these places, mostly Texas Roadhouse and Outback, Aaron doesn't order a steak, and Jake always makes it a point to, Say something about Aaron not ordering a steak. And I usually do. Not this time, though, because the last steak I had at Outback was supposed to be medium, and it was pretty much slaughtered that day, is what it felt like. And when I mean slaughtered that day, it was slaughtered that day and not cooked to the same day. I think they just served me up a piece of thigh or something of the cow. I, I have no idea, but it was it was not good. So I, I kind of swore off out, uh, Outback Steakhouse for a little bit. But Aaron would always get catch flack for this. And I'd sit there, and I'm like... You know what? If this was like a big time steakhouse, I can't think of any big time steakhouses off the top of my head. But if this was like some big time steak that's costing me about $50 to eat, then yeah, I would understand if you make fun of Aaron for not having a steak at these world renowned steakhouses. This ain't it. This ain't it. I like, you look at Outback Steakhouse and it's like they're just telling you what not to get. Like Outback Steakhouse, you would read Steakhouse and go, oh, Steakhouse, they specialize in steaks. No, they're actually telling you not to order that. It's like hiding in plain sight type thing. 
The thing you don't want to order is actually right in front of you, but you think it's what you want to order, but it's really not. It's the finest of microwave cuisine. And I would put them, like, them and Applebee's are nice every once in a while. Well, every once in a while. Like, I will never catch myself ordering Applebee's to go. I just won't. I, I can't do that. <laughs> I will never, I will never ever in my wildest dreams, like, I'll go to some other places at a restaurant and just order to go. I'll get Thai food to go. I'll go to Fong's Pizza and get pizza to go. Like, all these different places, but I, you ain't never catching me alone by myself going to an Applebee's and ordering takeout because I can microwave lean cuisine at home and it tastes the exact same as Applebee's. But I digress on that. <laughs> but we went to Outback, and before we went to Outback, I was cutting up an apple. And we have these really sharp knives at my apartment. Like, they're really thin, sharp knives. And I'm a, a brainiac. You know, you listen to the show long enough, you know how much of a, how, how smart I am. And I drop an apple on the floor. I drop a little slice of apple on the floor. And without even thinking, I just pick it up and like, da 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 and just cut. And I sliced my pointer finger on my left hand. I didn't slice the tip off or anything, or I didn't cut. I, I sliced my finger open. <laughs> and... I didn't realize this until this happened. I had no Band-Aid. So I was walking around with paper towels on my finger. And I went through three different sets of paper towels because it wouldn't stop bleeding. And then I had to go to Target and get Band-Aids. And I got hydrogen peroxide as well. So we got all that stuff taken care of. But I've had way worse injuries than this that I haven't gotten a proper medical attention for. I sliced my knee open on the fireplace when I was in like middle school. Definitely should have had stitches. Bled for about three hours straight. Wouldn't stop. But we got it done. We got it done. My leg is still here. <laughs> the scar is very big, but it's still there. I don't know if this thing is going to scar, but it hurt. It hurt. And it wasn't like I started screaming or crying or anything, but I was like, oh my God, I just cut my finger open. I said other, other you know, useful, uh, what do you call them, descriptors in there as well. <laughs> but but we, we, we're not going to say them on here. This is a PG friendly show. The Lord is watching. We are being good on this, <laughs> on this podcast today. And, uh, yeah, it hurt. It hurt like a bitch. <laughs> it, that's the best way I can describe it. I know I just said it's a PG show. It hurt. It hurt. It hurt bad. I've never cut myself with a knife before. But, yeah, I would not really recommend it. I don't know what getting stabbed would feel like, but I don't want that to happen either. I want to try to avoid all knife injuries as much as possible. So I had that going for me. But then we go to Outback. Aaron comes over to my apartment. He works over in Grimes. I live in Grimes. So he came over to my apartment beforehand. He parks in my apartment, as you do. And we go to Outback, and we're joking the entire time about, like, as we're leaving, Aaron goes to lock his car, and he's like, sometimes I don't lock my car because who's going to steal stick shift? The, the amount of people who can't drive stick is very long. I am one of those people that cannot drive stick. My dad can drive stick. My mom can drive stick. I have a few friends that drive stick, but most of my friends and family members do not know how to drive stick shifts. They don't. Like, my mom, her first car was a stick shift. My dad drives big trucks, so he has to drive a stick shift. But we were joking about that. I was like, man, yeah, I, if I got in a car and I was being a, a little thief, a little rascal, a little scallywag, and I broke into a car and saw a stick shift, I would go, like, okay, yeah, I, I appreciate my effort on trying to get into the car, but I, I just, I just want, don't want the hassle. I don't need the hassle right now. So you go steal the car next to it. But we leave out back. We come back home. We're talking to Isaac. We're like, hey, Isaac, we're going to... I just got some chores to do at the house. Aaron and I are going to leave. I'm going to drop Aaron off at his car. We're going to go upstairs, do all that stuff. And then we're going to go play computer games for the rest of the night. And I'm pulling into the spot because I was like, oh, I'll just drop Aaron off. There's a door right here to get in so I can just park here. 
And uh, Aaron's car is not at the same spot where it was when I when we left. <laughs> it's not there. And he drives this little tiny 1999 uh, Mazda Miata with this tan uh, convertible thing, and it's it's tiny. Like you, even the smallest car makes that car look small. Like it is tiny car. I barely fit in it. I'm a I'm just over six foot tall. I I could barely fit in that thing. Isaac is about six four. Isaac is just fitting in it, and it's not comfortable for him to sit in. It's barely comfortable for me to sit in. We got other friends that we hang out with that are a little shorter. It works well for them. Aaron's not the tallest person in the world, so it works well for him. It don't really work the best for me and Isaac. I feel like I'm bigger. I feel like I weigh more than the car. And <laughs> we're walking around. It's like, man, we just talked about this. We literally just talked about how someone's stealing a car, getting in and going, oh, it's shit, this is a stick shift. Uh, let's not <laughs> let's not steal this car. Let's go for an easier one. And then we can't find the car. And then it turns out, and about an hour later, we find out the car was towed. And we don't know if this was the, the apartment complex or some dickhead in an apartment. This is a unit that needed their individual parking spot right in front of their door. But his car was towed. And I was sitting there, it was like, my parents were just over the night before for a lot longer than what Aaron's car was here, and they didn't get towed. My cousins and my sister stayed the night at my apartment when I was in Grinnell during the Iowa-Nevada game, and they were there longer than what Aaron's car was. I had my friends Preston and Christian over, like, last week, last Tuesday, and their cars were alert a lot longer than Aaron's car was. So I'm, I'm subject to believe that the person that is, their unit is right outside that parking spot, I would imagine they called it in. And if you're a dickhead that calls it in, yeah, screw you. Screw you. And I've got friends that live in this complex that don't have parking passes. I've never seen this complex tow cars out. I have to believe that Aaron was parked in a spot that was quote-unquote reserved for someone else. And we don't have reserved parking. We don't have reserved parking. So it was like, what the hell is this? And his mom came by later, because he obviously <laughs> needed a ride back. And his mom was like, oh, that is the best news ever. Because sure, it got towed, which sucks. But you could buy your car back for 200 and something dollars, which is stupid enough as it is. But it's better to pay that and then not have a car and then have it damaged by someone else. Like, I worked for the iCubs for a year, or for a summer. And one of the per people I worked with, his car got stolen. And they found it just tucked away in the woods with all the speakers out and everything. Destroyed car. Inside was trashed. So to have a $240 get your car out of jail, get your car out of jail free card, it's not free, but $240 card, is a lot nicer than having your car stolen and not knowing where the hell it is and then having to buy a new one. Now he is working on a car right now. He's working on an RX-8. So hope he was hoping, like, man, well, I hope that car gets started up here soon. We're walking around the lots like maybe they drove it and just like couldn't get it to shift and just ditched it somewhere. Maybe that's what the case. That was the what we were hoping was the best case scenario here. But he was stressing as most people would be if they went to a spot where their car was and then it's not there. It makes it a little <laughs> it makes it a little more stressful evening. So we didn't have game night. We didn't have game night, and it was, <laughs> it was uh, yeah. Uh, at least your car wasn't stolen. So I went back inside watch Ed and Eddie instead, <laughs> and then almost fell asleep on the couch. Which raises an interesting point. I saw this on Twitter this morning, actually. And it was funny that it happened. I, it must have just, the internet must have been spying on me or something. Which is not like the internet. It's not like the internet. But 
you're going on like I'm sitting on the couch watching Ed and Eddie, and I'm starting to drift off. Like my eyes are getting heavy, and I stupidly go, "You know what? One more episode." And I'm starting to drift off even further, but then I get so far into the episode where I'm like, okay, I just gotta finish this episode, because it's two-parters. It's like 20-something minutes for two episodes. So I was like, I gotta get through this one, I'll stop it once we reach the midpoint of this and we get the next episode started. But it is kind of funny, like, I was gonna fall asleep on the couch. And then I go to bed, and I don't fall asleep for like another hour. And I saw this tweet, and it was like, isn't it weird how you can in- unintentionally fall on your fall asleep on your couch so easily, but you can't intentionally fall asleep in bed? It takes like an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two to three hours to fall asleep. That is stupid. I don't understand that, and I've never really thought about it till right now. That's stupid. That's incredibly dumb, and I hate it. I hate that that's a thing that happens, but good freaking lord. And Ed, Eddie's a good show. <laughs> we watched Courage the Cowardly Dog when Preston and Christian were over. We were watching a bunch of episodes of that, and their cars never got towed. We went to Vazoli's for about three hours. You know how much fun it is to sit in a Vazoli's for three hours? Things that are not funny at all become incredibly hilarious just because you're sitting in a Vazoli's for a long-ass period of time because you don't expect your life to be going down that rabbit hole of sitting in a Vazoli's for a long period of time. But yeah, there we were, sitting in a Vazoli's for a long period of time, and they go home and watch Courage Cow to the Dog. I wanted to watch Star Wars Attack of the Clones. We did not end up doing that. And I always ask people when I bring up Attack of the Clones, like, what's your favorite movie? And why is it Attack of the Clones? Because Attack of the Clones is the greatest movie of all time. If I'm being serious, if I'm not being a silly billy, uh, Attack of the Clones is probably the worst Star Wars. No, it's not. No. the t- Episodes 8 and 9 are worse. I-, I enjoy, I know it's probably a worse movie for critics, but I enjoy watching Attack of the Clones a thousand times more than The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. I hate watching those movies. I watched The Phantom Menace. I watched the prequels a thousand times over before I watched. Like, when I was when I had my bone graft and I sat at home, all I did was watch all ten Star Wars episodes because I watched Rogue One in between three and four. Once I got past seven, which in its own right is kind of frustrating to watch because it's Star Wars kind of went down this route of, oh, this is what people like. Let's do a watered-down version of what they like because it's basically A New Hope all over again. It's basically the exact same thing. They love themselves some desert planets. Jakku, another desert planet. Oh, we didn't get that with Tatooine. Oh, God. But that one's, it's the best one out of the final three, out of those final three movies. And, um, yeah, those eight and nine, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. I've had debates about which one's worse. I just don't like either of them. I, I used to get in debates that nine was wor- eight was worse than nine, but they're just bad. Both of them are just equally bad. I'm not even going to entertain debates about it anymore because it's kind of like, They both suck major ass. They suck major ass. I did not think this is how the show would start, but you know what? I'm actually kind of enjoying it. (laughs) I am thoroughly enjoying this start of the episode. We got story time. We've got what happened last Thursday. We've got me cutting myself with a knife. We've got outback stories. We've got cars potentially being stolen. And getting towed is fun. Getting towed is fun. I, I got stuck in the snow up in Cedar Falls or in Waterloo. I was leaving the radio show up in Waterloo. And I got, I slid off into, I don't want to call it a, a ditch, but you know, on the off ramps on the interstate and you've got like the grassy areas on the side, I slid off into between the off ramp, off ramp and the interstate. And this beautiful guy comes up to me and he goes, it's like out of heaven and goes, Hey, you stuck? Thanks brainiac. No, I'm not stuck. I just wanted to sit here for a little bit. Yes, I'm stuck. I hate when I, like, I understand it's nice. I understand it's nice, but four or five people come up to me and go, Hey, you good? Yeah. You have a shovel? 
No? Okay, why'd you stop then? Don't stop if you're not going to help me. I don't need to be checked in on. I'm fine. I'm fine. But this this guy comes up and he offers to tow me out. And uh, he hooks up to my power steering line. Yeah, and rips my power steering line completely off my car. It's pretty fun. I'm sitting in the car turning the wheel. And all of a sudden, my front bumper starts peeling off to the left. That was really fun. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I have two scars on my hands. It looks like I have a little snake bite on the palm of my right hand because I was just yamming my <laughs> my front bumper back into the car. And I had to bend the power steering line to fold it underneath that so it wasn't sticking out like a freaking, what do you call that, uh, a lance and jousting? It looked like I was jousting for a little bit. Not the best way. And you don't realize how much you miss power steering until you don't have power steering. Or how much you like power steering until you just don't have power steering. It's just beautiful how that works out. And when you're... This is an unintentional, perfect segue. Absolutely perfect segue. But it's like when you have guys like Jameson Williams and John Mechie. And all these other great football players... And then you realize when you don't have them, it's like, man, I wish I had those guys back. Like, the people you have are fine. They're not bad. There's not the two elite weapons that you had the season prior. And that's the current situation Bryce Young is in at Alabama. Now, Bryce Young is insanely talented. Insanely, insanely talented. So it's he's working with it. But a lot of these guys he's never played with before. But he's spreading the ball well. But Jameer Gibbs is leading the Alabama, <laughs> Alabama receptions this year. He's got 17 catches. Next closest is 15 with Trayshawn Holden. And then Georgia transfer Jermaine Burton has 12 catches for 155 yards. Like, Alabama is not does not have these weapons that we're used to seeing Alabama have. Like, it always feels like they have at least one guy in their receiving core that's like, ooh, that's, that's the dude. That's the dude. Like, Alabama last year, they had Jamison Williams and John Mechie. The season before, they had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. And then you go back to 2018, you had Jerry Judy. And then you go back even further than that, like 2016. Uh, not 2016. Not 2016. That's when they were a weird passing team. You had Calvin Ridley in 2017. You had Calvin Ridley in 2015 as well. You had Amari Cooper. You had Julio Jones there. Like You had all these elite weapons. Like you just, It might not be this insane group of wideouts. Now, it was with, like, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and uh, Jalen Waddle and all those guys. But it just feels like there's one, at least one guy in Alabama, receiver-wise, that's elite. Now, there's running backs there as well. Like, we look at, like, Najee Harris, Mark Ingram. You got Eddie Lacy. You got Trent Richardson. You've got Derrick Henry. Brian Robinson was there. Like, you've got really good backs. Even Alvin Kamara was there. You don't think he ever played for Alabama, but he was there. Uh, you've always got these weapons there at Alabama, but this year it's it just doesn't seem like that. It's a really weird year for Alabama where they seem vulnerable. Their weapons groups are not as good as what they've been in the past, and it's very weird to look at it like that. Like, Jameer Gibbs is probably the second-best running back in this draft class right behind B. John Robinson, but he's only got 172 yards rushing this year. He's done very well out of the backfield because he's been... Bryce Young's main target because when you look at what Alabama did last year and I got to explain this to some people out there because I don't think a lot of people understand this a lot of people out there really don't like watching quarterbacks check down they hate it it's the bane of their existence watching a quarterback check down oh Tom Brady won a Super Bowl his first Super Bowl I did was check down the entire time yeah because that's what the defense is giving you in those types of situations the defense is just trying everything in their power not to get beat deep 
And when you watched Alabama last year, how did they kill teams? With the deep ball. Jamison Williams and John Mechie were the two best deep threats in all of college football, and they played on the same team. You might be able to throw like Chris Alave in there as well. But those two guys were the two best deep threats in college football. So when you watched Alabama last year, and even the season prior, like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle were elite deep threats. Henry Ruggs was an elite deep threat. When you watch Alabama play football, their strength in the passing game is on the deep ball. They don't like to check. When you have these weapons, they go deep. So when you watch Alabama play this year and why it's so different, they don't have that speed on the outside. The receivers are bigger than what they usually are. But the defense knows Bryce Young's got an absolute hose and Alabama likes to throw the ball deep. So they're going to sit back, which opens up shorter pass lanes. For That's why Jameer Gibbs is leading the team in receiving interceptions this year. Like against Texas, I saw people on Twitter bitching about Bryce Young checking the ball down. If that's what the defense gives you, why would you be, you'd be stupid not to take it? You can give the ball to your running back and get 15 yards. Why would you take? Why would you not take that? This is what the problem is with some of the people on social media. They don't actually know the ins and outs of playing quarterback. I'm not saying that I'm a great quarterback or anything. I certainly am not. Certainly am not. But I know the position. And I've watched Tom Brady. I've watched all these different quarterbacks long enough. I've seen Tom Brady kill my team a bunch of times. I've watched great quarterbacks. When you you are stupid if you don't take what the defense gives you. The best quarterbacks aren't always the ones that throw it deep every single time. The best quarterbacks take what the defense gives them. They're playing smart. You're sitting back. The defenses are sitting back because Alabama's not going. They fear the deep ball with Bryce Young. Alabama doesn't have that speed, so they're checking it down more. They're running a bunch more crossing routes, slant routes, hitch routes, comebacks, all those things. If they had to change their offense to a certain extent, to a certain degree, because they lost a lot of really talented players. They didn't have the same speed they had on the outside last year. You can see what happened when they lost Jameson Williams in the national championship game. They didn't have John Mech either. He tore his ACL a few games ago. I think it was against Georgia in the SEC championship. I think. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. I think it was against Georgia. Both of them tore their ACLs in the national against Georgia. But that shouldn't take away from what Bryce Young does. Sure, it's not the you're not going to sit back and go like, oh, Bryce Young's highlights are insane this year. Like last year's, they were a lot of fun. But there's some there's beauty in throwing the ball short. There's a lot of beauty in the, throwing the ball short. Almost every quarterback can hit a wide open receiver down the field. There's only a select few that can accurately hit receivers in the five to ten yard range. Like Justin Fields against Clemson, his best throw of the game wasn't the deep balls that he was throwing with the broken ribs. It was when he was hit the tight ends over the middle. Look at all the how well he placed the ball over the defender's outstretched arms. Like, that, that is beautiful. Sure, checkdowns aren't the sexiest thing in the world, but it's effective. It's proved effective. Jameer Gibbs, 17 catches, 187 yards this year, three touchdowns. And Bryce Young spreading the ball around this year. Like, you look at all the receivers. Trayson Holden has 15 catches. Ja'Cory Brooks has 10. Jermaine Burton has 12. Kobe Pretense, Pretense has 12. Cameron Ladu has 10. Now, they do have <laughs> a speedster at wide receiver in Tyler Harrell, but he got hurt week one. I don't know what Tyler, if he's got a timeline to be back or anything. I should actually Google that because I don't know if he's going to play this year or not. When does he come back? When will Alabama, this is from two weeks ago. Oh, crap. This might not be, this might be not be accurate. He's kind of day-to-day. He has not registered a catch this year, unless I'm completely missing him. He hasn't he hasn't registered a catch last all year. He missed he played the first game of the year. Once he gets back, 
then Bryce Young, I would expect his uh, highlight reel to improve for some of the, the casuals out there. But I feel like Bryce Young has kind of fallen under the radar a little bit, which is weird to say. The dude just won the Heisman last year. But, like, the thing we talked about a little bit on Wednesday about people talking about quarterbacks they take at the next level to build their team around, Bryce Young wasn't mentioned in there. I think these three quarterbacks at the top are pretty much at this point clear of the rest of the list. I think there's other quarterbacks outside of the top three, like Anthony Richardson's got all the talent in the world. He just needs to put it together. Jaron Hall and Hennon Hooker, small, a little bit smaller guys. Uh, Jaron Hall plays for BYU, so that might hurt him a little bit. And Jaron, they're not small, small guys. I don't want to sound like that. They're not like as small as Bryce Young or Kyler Murray or that. They're just not the physical guys. And they're not as, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And they come from weird offenses and things like that. I think they're both insanely talented. But you got those groups behind the top three guys, which for those of you who don't know the top three guys, it's C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis. And I've been seeing a lot of things around Will Levis recently, and I'm going to explain why at this point I don't see it to be true, but I can see it being true as we get closer to the draft. I think it could 100% happen. And the thing is, I've seen this on Twitter. I've seen this on Google. I've seen it on ESPN. I've seen it everywhere. And Kentucky's OC, Rich Scagarello, Scagarello, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I apologize to Rich if I'm saying his name wrong. I think he will be the first overall pick in the draft. And uh, I will tell you why that right now that's not going to happen, but why it can happen. So when you compare Levis to Stroud and Bryson, the two other guys at this point in time he's competing with. Again, I think Anthony Richardson could be up there. I think Hall, I think Hendon Hooker could be up there. I think they're going to be a, nah, he can't move. But like Tanner McKee, depending on what the rest of the season is from Tyler Tyler Van Dyke, we could have something from him when he comes back from getting, getting benched against Middle Tennessee. We'll see if he wins out the starting job in the next game. They're playing in two weeks. They're in a bye week this week. But you look at Stroud. I'll start off with him because right now he's the best quarterback in this draft class. And I don't really – actually, no, we'll start off with Young. I'm on Alabama's ESPN page. We'll start off with Bryce Young. I think that's fair. Bryce Young, the thing that hurts Bryce Young, and this is where it'll hurt some of the guys' feelings out there, but according to scouts, size matters. Okay, guys? Uh, Bryce Young is six foot listed, listed at six foot 194. Do I believe that? I'm not 100% sure. I am six foot tall. I have been measured at the doctor's office, and I didn't want to add extra weight, height, weight, all that stuff. But let me give you a little secret. These numbers, unless William Penn in high school did something completely different, which I wouldn't be surprised about, are not official. It's what the player says they are. So you don't go in and go, okay, guys, let's go to your height and weight measurements, and this will be your official height and weight for the season. No, your official height and weight is something completely different. In high school... You got two inches and 10 pounds, I think is what they said. But I liked, in high school, I was six foot 190. I was like, I kind of I like that. I kind of like how that sounds. So you could do that. And then college, they just emailed us. They said, okay, email your height and weight and all that stuff. Give us your high school highlights. Give us your degree and our, or what you're majoring in and things like that. All those little things were... That was what you were ready for. That's what you had. You had to email them back with all that information. It was not official by any stretch of the imagination. So Bryce Young saying he's six foot one ninety four. I could be wrong, but he looks a lot smaller than six foot one ninety four. He looks like what? Should I say a lot smaller? 
Because he looks bigger than Kyler Murray out there. And Kyler Murray is on a good day, 5'10". I don't know. Bryce might be just shorter than that. I think he might be 5'10". But the thing with Bryce Young that kind of hurts him in the same right as well, he's not running the ball as much. He can run the ball a crazy amount. And he's got an absolute hose for an arm. Another thing that kind of hurts him, he puts every ball on a freaking line. Everything's coming at you 100 miles an hour. 100, like, it's just fast. Fast, fast, fast. And he plays for Alabama. Which, on other positions, that's fine. But looking at the NFL right now, the last quarterback to get drafted in the first round from Alabama is Tua. Who was the other Alabama quarterback to get drafted in the first round post-Tua? Or pre-Tua? Post to it, he had Mac, I guess Mac Jones. I kind of forgot about him. But Alabama quarterbacks, you got to go way back. You got to go to Bart Starr, Joe Namath, Alabama quarterbacks. But Bryce Young's starting to fall a little bit. And the main factor is he's not that big. He's not that big. Because people are worried now when you look at like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's slowing down due to his size. Oh, he's been beat up so much. He's not that big. Kyler Murray's battled some injuries throughout his time in the NFL. He's not that big. He's getting beat up in there. I think Bryce Young has all the talent in the world to be an elite quarterback at the next level. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Everything he's got works in college. And he's playing some he's playing well. He's playing very, very well. And the other factor is like you got the elite weapons around you. Oh, can this guy do it with no weapons? That's why, like, you see some quarter like Daniel Jones draft stock sword because he played at Duke. What NFL weapons was he playing with at Duke? You have that example in there as well. But Bryce Young, the main factor is that he's not very big. He's not very big. And then we're going to C.J. Stroud. Okay? C.J. Stroud, I think, is the most natural passer in this draft class, which could be a curse. Which could be a curse. When you look at some of the other quarterbacks that have been labeled that, it hasn't really worked out too well for him. Oh, he's got the most natural throwing motion. He's got the most, oh, he's the best natural quarterback last one I remember that was praised like that was Josh Rosen. Oh, he's the best pure passer in the draft. Oh, he's just a pure passer. Oh, everything is just so pure. Best throw in motion. He's the most NFL-ready guy. And right now, C.J. Stroud is the most NFL-ready guy. He doesn't move that much, but he can move when needed to. But he's just an absolute surgeon with the ball in his hands. And there's another thing. He plays for Ohio State. There's not been a Big Ten quarterback draft in the top ten in freaking years. Years. And for how little this matters in the grand scheme of things, people care about, oh, what other quarterbacks from Ohio? Like, dude, Tom Tupa is the best quarterback to ever come out of Ohio State, and he was a punter for most of his career. Like, I don't care. Like, the people that say that, like, wouldn't draft him, he played for Ohio State. Different coaches, different circumstance, different everything. So you wouldn't have drafted Joe Burrow because Jamarcus Russell went there. You wouldn't have drafted Justin Herbert because what Oregon quarterbacks have been good supposed there? Dan Fouts? And we said this on the show. We talked about Justin Herbert when he got drafted about this. Alabama quarterbacks pre-Tua. Which one's really worked out in the NFL? The best one you could probably say up in between Namath and Tua was probably A.J. McCarron. Unless I'm completely forgetting about somebody, which it very well could be. And even right now, the best Alabama quarterback in the NFL didn't even get drafted from Alabama. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> but people, for some reason, care about that. And the same thing will go with Levis. Oh, they had Tim Couch. Oh, no. Like Derek Carr fell to the second round because his brother was David Carr. 
And David Carr, first overall pick, didn't work out in the NFL. Derek Carr fell to the second round. They're two different people. Two different circumstances. Derek Carr is not going to get fed to the wolves in his first year in the NFL and get give up 76 sacks or whatever it was Derek, David Carr gave up. But Stroud's bigger. Stroud's probably four to five inches taller than, C than Bryce Young. I don't know. He's got a he's got a strong. He throws a better deep ball than Bryce Young, probably, because he's got a lot more touch on his footballs than Bryce Young does. Again, Bryce Young can throw a lot of off platform, can throw well off platform, which I think if you're looking at the other quarterbacks in college football, I think Bryce Young does it better than anybody. But it's all in the line. I think what C.J. Stroud does really well, he does he has a lot of touch on his throws. Now will help him out a lot. His size and touch on his throws works out, and this year. When you looked at him last year, a lot of people, I remember I had this conversation on Twitter with somebody because I had him high in my Heisman rankings. And you can go back and find the conversation on Twitter. Hold on, let me take a sip real quick. But you can go back and look at this. And the guy was pretty much like, oh, C.J. Stroud can't win the Heisman because he's got elite weapons. And it's the weapons that won him the Heisman, not his own individual talent. I, I don't know if I could find the exact tweet, but if you, for those of you who got plenty of time on your hands, go out and look for that tweet. That was a thing that was said last year. And then, yes, he had elite weapons. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, elite weapons. Yes, I agree with that. But would they have been the same with just any other quarterback? You still need the quarterback. Like, you're trying to devalue the the position at that point when it doesn't just work with anybody. Notice how Bill Walsh's offense did not work until he had Joe Montana. Joe Montana there. It didn't work until then. Bill Belichick didn't have any success until Tom Brady got there. And these are quote-unquote system quarterbacks with Bill Belichick being a defensive guy. Like, oh, he's only doing this because of weapons. He's only doing this because of coaching. He's not... All these different things. I hate... First, I hate the term system quarterback. And I hate deval... I like, I want to give all the praise in the world to the receivers out there because there are receivers that make quarterbacks look really good. But... They still need the quarterback to throw them the ball. Like, people want to devalue Kirk Cousins and say, like, oh, Justin Jefferson is the only reason he's any good. Well, I promise you this, if you threw in Josh Rosen, I don't think I don't think Justin Jefferson would be as good as what he is. Or at least his numbers wouldn't be as good. If you threw in Mason Rudolph, I promise you his numbers aren't going to be the same. You still need the quarterback. So when people devalued C.J. Stroud, that kind of ticked me off. And I'm an Iowa fan. I shouldn't like Ohio State. But... I do like C.J. Stroud, and after defending him as long as I did last year for the first three, four, five weeks of the season, I feel vindicated that now he's widely considered at this point to be the best quarterback in the draft. And this year, without these quote-unquote elite weapons, these general unknowns at wide receiver, apart from Jack Smith and Jigba, who got hurt week one and hasn't really played consistently since, he's still balling out. Like, Marvin Harrison Jr., we knew the name. We knew the name. Emeka Abuka, we knew of him. We didn't know they'd be like this. We didn't know how good their numbers would be or how good of players they would be. But we were nervous about CJ. Oh, he's lost his weapons. Nope, he's still very, very good. He's not just about these weapons that he has. He's got a talent. He's got talent. And then finally, Will Levis. He falls under the category of no talent. This is the thing that will help him out a lot. Oh, look who C.J. Stroud's playing with. Look who Bryce Young's playing with. Look who all these guys are playing with. They're not playing with the same guys that Will Levis is playing with. Will Levis is two top two receivers left last year. 
in what's what was I know one of them was Wandell Robinson. Who was the other one? Was it Bell? Bell or Downs? I don't remember which one it was. It was one of that's one of their names. I don't remember which one it was. But top two guys gone. Chris Rodriguez hasn't played this year. He's number one running back. So it's kind of I was kind of nervous, not gonna lie, going into the season because Sam Howell suffered the same fate the season before with North Carolina. Had four talented weapons around him. Two talented running backs, two talented wide receivers. All of them went to the NFL the same offseason. So his numbers dipped to a certain extent. He still played well. I think he should have been a lot higher than a fifth-round draft pick. He ran the ball extremely well. But I was nervous for Levis going into the season, not having the weapons around him. Because downgrading the weapons sucks. (laughs) You have all new weapons. Bryce Young's suffering through that this year. A bunch of transfers. It's not the guys he's had. <laughs> it's a bunch of new guys. But he's still playing well. Because the talent will come through. Talent will come through. Now, they did get Tavian Robinson from Virginia Tech, which is a nice guy. He's leading the, leading the Kentucky Wildcats receiving yards. But what Levis has, that is a nice hybrid between Stroud and Young, Levis is big. Levis is listed, according to ESPN, at six foot three, 232 pounds. He a big dude. When he was at Penn State, he was used as their running quarterback. You remember a few college teams would do that in the past, like Oklahoma had Blake Bell in there. Florida with Chris Leak was the starter. Tim Tebow would come in and run the football. Like, you have these designated running quarterbacks. You know exactly what they're going to do when they come in the game. You know exactly what's going to happen. But you can't stop it. But Levis was better than Sean Clifford then, but for whatever reason, they have a weird loyalty to Sean Clifford, and Levis transferred to Kentucky. And he had a good year last year. Nothing, like, amazing, amazing, but good. He showed flashes. He hurdled a few players last year. He was, I believe, second on the team in rushing yards last year. He was a little inconsistent throwing the ball through a couple not great interceptions. But you, you saw the talent there. You saw the size. You saw his mobility. You saw the arm talent. Like, everything was there. It was a matter of can he put it all together. And going into this season, we had him as the third best quarterback in the draft. Preseason. And then now he's back at number three. It was like a week and a half or two weeks where he was number four, but he moved right back up to number three. And now he's cleared himself from number three, at least for the time being. Or no, he was he was only number four for a week, I think. I think. Could be wrong. But he's not, work, he's not working with anybody. He's a big dude. He's got a strong arm and he can move. His numbers don't suggest that this year, negative 37 yards, but the dude can run. Will Levis can move. And all these things work no NFL, quote-unquote, no NFL talent around him. Like Josh Allen did the same thing coming out of Wyoming. Daniel Jones, again, had that coming out of Duke. No NFL talent around him. Very strong arm. Very strong arm. Big dude. 6'3", 232 pounds. Can run, do all these different things. He has the intangibles. Right now, I can't sit here and say he is past C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young for the number one or two spot in the draft. But, but, I think there is a very realistic shot that he becomes the number one overall pick. Or at least the first quarterback taken. And this draft, it looks like he's going to be a quarterback first. Like, Will Anderson will be up there. Jalen Carter from Georgia will be up there. Brian Bressy from Clemson will be up there. But it looks like it's going to be one of the three quarterbacks. At least that's what the feeling is right now. And Will Levis, given his physical tools... Like, above, like, you look at, comparing to the individual quarterbacks, you got Levis versus Young. Levis got the size. They're very similar in regards to, they both can move, they both got strong arms, but Levis got the size. Which is big. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> and then, uh, but Stroud, Levis can move. They both got the strong arms, 
both got the size, but Levis can move a lot better than Stroud can. Again, numbers don't suggest that, but Levis can move. So all these factors, when you look at the two, the three quarterbacks, Levis has factors from both quarterbacks, and that helps him out a lot. So I'm not saying it's happening right now, but I think it can happen. I think there's a hundred. I think there is a very, very, very good shot. By the time we come back around to April, I think Levis will have a very good combine. I think he'll have a very, very good combine. I think he'll do well in meetings as well. Apart from the mayonnaise and coffee thing, I think Levis is a very, very interesting prospect. And again, I think Anthony Richardson could be up there as well. Because Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, like we talked about before, have very similar-ish skill sets. They could both do similar things. I think Levis is more refined as a passer. But he's had a year to develop that. Richardson, this is Richardson's first year as the full-time starter. I, I saw this on Mel Kuyper's thing on ESPN, and I agree with it. I could see a reality where Anthony Richardson comes back next year. I think there's a really good reality in that. Because if he's wishy-washy in his mechanics, which he kind of has been so far this year, you can see it. Dude might have the strongest arm out of all these quarterbacks. Might. And he can move. He can move. He's a big, big dude as well. 6'4", probably 225, 230. Somewhere around there. He can do all the things any quarterback in this draft class can do. He just hasn't put it all together yet. He had a great game week one. He played well last week against Tennessee. But against Kentucky and against USF, he's had very wishy-washy games. And this week, they're playing on Sunday against Eastern Washington due to the hurricane down there. And I hope everyone down there is safe, no one gets hurt, all that good stuff down in Florida. This is a game he has to do well in. Like, Levis and Kentucky, like, Kentucky as a team struggled to a certain extent against Northern Illinois. Well, Levis played a great game. He had four touchdowns. He had over 300 yards passing. He played really, really well. He stood in there, took hits. That's a big thing. Can you stand in there and get hits? And I heard this on Colin Coward today. When you look at Tua, and we'll talk about Tua in a little bit because he definitely has a head injury. He, de- he definitely has a head injury. I don't buy the, the back injury. I saw the hit. He hit his head on the turf. I've never seen legs wobble like that and heads drop because your back tightened up. Usually, and he didn't grab his back once. That's another key thing. When your back tightens up, what's the first reaction you have? Oh, my back! And you grab your back. That's the first reaction. You don't fall to the ground. Especially the way he fell to the ground where his legs just gave out on him. You don't do that. You don't do that. I'm sorry. I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't happen. It does not happen. But when you look at Josh Allen and Tua, Josh Allen, or Tua has a ankle-slash-back injury, slash-guaranteed head injury <laughs> that they're not mentioning, and it's questionable against the Bengals. I don't know if he's officially active or not yet. And you guys will all know this if you watch Thursday Night Football. And he, he didn't play a lot, really, against the Bills on Sunday. He didn't really wasn't really on the field all that often. The Bills ran 90-plus plays against Miami Dolphins. Josh, fine. Josh, good. Josh going to be out there and playing against Baltimore. He's perfectly fine. And Tua is battling some injuries. And that goes back to the size thing. Can you stand in there and take the hits? And that's what we're talking about with Levis. He's bigger than both Stroud and Bryce Young. So I think there is a world where he could be first overall pick. First overall quarterback. I think he could be that. I think he's very good. Regardless of, like, if I think he can, like, if he's going to be the first, second, or third quarterback taken to the draft, he'll be a top 15 pick. Regardless if it's before or after Young and Stroud, he'll be a top 15 pick guaranteed. I think all of them will be top 15 picks. The question is, will we be joined by Anthony Richardson or Jaron Hall or Hendon Hooker or any of these other guys? Tyler Van Dyke, will he get his head screwed on straight? We'll have to wait and see on that. But 
yeah, I've been seeing that a lot recently. So I want I wanted to give a to talk about that a little bit because it is interesting. It is interesting to look at all these quarterbacks in the draft class because the quarterback is the most important position on the field. It's the most highly scrutinized position on the field. It's everybody's favorite and least favorite position on the football field. If you have a good quarterback, everything seems peachy keen, which is why a lot of Iowa fans have been bitching all year. Quarterback's been a massive question. Now, speaking on Iowa, again, great transition by Logan. Good job. Iowa's playing Michigan this week. And we talked about Iowa-Michigan to a certain extent almost every day this week. It's the big noon kickoff. For those in Iowa, it's the 11 o'clock kickoff. And it's it should be a good game. If I'm being honest, like I've seen these things on Twitter all the, all week. The last five top five teams that come into Kinnick Stadium and lost. Last five. Michigan was one of them. So I look at this and go, is this the same Michigan team that killed Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game? I mean, yes, it's still Michigan Wolverines. Yes, they're going to be wearing white uniforms what they wore in the Big Ten Championship game. So on face value, yeah, it's the same team. But they don't have Hutchinson. They don't have Ajabo. They don't have Daxon Hill. They don't have Hassan Haskins. Like, they're down a few key players in the season before. And this time, I've talked about this every week, every or every day this week. I'm not as scared of Michigan as my friends are. And I was 11-point dog in this game. And I would recommend taking Iowa. Maybe not outright, but you look at what Iowa does on defense and what Michigan does on offense. Like, Michigan's offense is not built. If you're a competent college football team and you, like, have... If you have a semi-competent defense, you shouldn't have, like, a ton of issues against Michigan's offense. Like, the teams they have played this year in all fairness, are not the greatest defenses of all time. Like, I'm on ESPN right now, and I'm scrolling down to the bottom here for the worst defenses in college football. Okay? And you'll find, like, UConn is down there, surprisingly. Whoa. You've got Colorado State there as well. Whoa. And then who else is down? Where's Hawaii at? Where are the Rainbow Warriors at? Are they a little higher than I expected? Wow, Hawaii. Wow. Okay, I mean, I had to miss some. <laughs> There's no way. Okay, they're, they're, they're way at the bottom. They're way at the bottom. <laughs> not last, not last, but my brain just went right past them. But Maryland, they're right up there too. They're just better than Colorado State. Like, if you have a competent defense against Michigan, their offense is not necessarily designed to blow teams out. The reason they blew Iowa out of the water last year <laughs> is because Iowa's defense didn't play their greatest. Iowa's defense playing lights out right now. They're playing very, very good football. I'm not saying Iowa will be able to score a shitload of points in this game, and I'm not even saying bet the over. I think you can bet minus 11 or plus 11 on Iowa and feel somewhat confident in that. Just given Iowa's recent history against top five teams at Kinnick Stadium... Kinnick's a tough place to play. It's a very hostile environment. So, sure, they won the Big Ten Championship game, but this is back at Kinnick. If this, in, if this was in Ann Arbor, then yeah, I'd be nervous. I'd be a lot more nervous than what I am right now. But the one competent team Michigan played this year, they won by seven. The other teams they played are Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. The, probably, again, probably the three worst teams in all of college football, at least up there or down there. When you look at what Iowa does well in offense, it's not a lot. But they run the ball well. They run the ball well. Michigan runs the ball extremely well. Blake Corman had a game and a half last week against Maryland. 
240-something yards rushing. Blake Corum was a baller last year. And Iowa will run the ball. They'll hit the tight ends. They'll do all these different things. They'll be monotonous. Their, their offenses are eerily similar. The only issue is J.J. McCarthy is better than Spencer Petras. J.J. McCarthy is a lot more talented than Petras. J.J. McCarthy can run the ball. J.J. McCarthy's... I don't know about stronger arm. I don't know about strong arm because all, all things considered, Petras has the strongest arm in America. Petras could overthrow Randy Moss, and Randy Moss said he could never be overthrown. I think I think Spencer Petras could overthrow Randy Moss. I think Spencer Petras could throw a, overthrow who? Usain Bolt. I think he could overthrow anybody. His arm's that strong. <laughs> it, just ain't, it just ain't accurate. It ain't accurate. But I don't know. This is kind of sad. I didn't even realize this. J.J. McCarthy has the same number of completions as Petrus. He just has 34 less attempts. <laughs> they each have 48 attempts, but McCarthy's only attempted 60, and Petrus has 94 attempts. <laughs> that is sad. He has five touchdown passes. Petrus has a whopping one, and he got that last week. Uh, was it last week or was it against Nevada? Because they scored a shitload of defensive touchdowns against Rutgers. It was against Nevada. That was Peters' probably best game of his career against Rutgers. He only threw it 17 times, but good Lord, it was awesome. <laughs> Love to keep it that way. He's improved every game completion percentage-wise. He's gone up every game 44%, 46%, 53%, now 64%. Man, impressive stuff. Impressive stuff. <laughs> He's been sacked nine times. This just makes it even more sad that Tanner McKee's been sacked 13 times in two games. That, that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty sad. That's another example of a guy who's not having a lot of NFL help around him. So people will be a little bit more lenient on him than they will others come draft time. Probably a third-round draft pick for Tanner McKee at this point. He's got the talent. He just can't really move. He's got a lot of talent in regards to throwing the ball. He's not not running the ball. But Iowa-Michigan, I think Iowa can cover. I'm not saying they'll win. But I could see this game being like a 17-14 game or something. Two defensive touchdowns for Iowa, obviously. <laughs> Iowa's punt unit is the best in college football. Their defense is top five in college football. Or top six. I don't know if it's top five anymore. It might be top six. But that, that works well for Iowa. Michigan's defense is good as well. I don't want to take anything away from them. They don't have this quote-unquote star power they did, but it's still good. See, I'm excited. I am excited. I Like, all my friends were like, oh, they're going to get beat by 50 points. No. I don't think this defense allows them to get beat by 50 points. I don't think they I well I take that back. <laughs> the, the, the uh Ohio State on the twenty second. That'll be a different that's different because that's a totally different offense than what they're facing. There's that's a top three offense in college football. Statistically, probably the best just in general, without their best offensive weapon. Like that Ohio State's scary. That's different than Michigan. Michigan and Ohio State should not be one rating apart. I'm sorry. Michigan will not beat Ohio State this year. They won't. It's in it's in it's in Columbus. With the way Ohio State's playing with how possessed their offense looks, they're they're not losing to Michigan. Michigan cannot keep up with Ohio State. That's why I like this game, this matchup for Iowa. Michigan doesn't really do a whole lot spectacular on offense. They run the ball well. They throw short passes. They have a great tight end, Eric All, much like Iowa. Got Sam Laporta. Questionable weapons on the outside, but you know what? I trust their quarterback a little bit more. So maybe McCarthy beats them with his legs. Maybe maybe they win like twenty four to fourteen or something. But I don't think they, I don't, I at least, I could be very wrong about this. I could be extremely wrong about this. I don't think they trounce Iowa. I don't think they trounce Iowa. I could, again, I could be completely wrong about that. I think Iowa can stay with it. So I'm going to go with Iowa plus 11 against Michigan. And then we're looking at Iowa State 
They're taking on a resurgent Kansas team that <laughs> is 4-0, probably should be in the top 25 in Iowa State's 3-1, and and they had a very interesting, tough loss against Baylor last week. I was at that game, hot game. The left side of my body got sunburnt. It was fun, though. Learned that. <laughs> Sorry. Learned that <laughs> the second row is actually the first row. Jack Trice, you learn something new every day. But Iowa State, they're fun. They're a fun team to watch. Hunter Deckers is fun to watch. Xavier Hutchinson's creeping into that first-round conversation. Like, he's a beast this year. Drill Brock's played really well this year, apart from the fumble that he did recover. Great play recovering the ball, but the fumble wasn't great. And Kansas, they're just fun. They killed Houston. They beat him by 18 points on the road. They just beat Duke last week in front of a sold-out stadium at David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium, a stadium that used to have a track all around it. They've covered it up. But Lance Leipold, we knew about him coming over from Buffalo. We knew about him. My dad and I would watch Buffalo football quite a bit. I like watching Buffalo football. Maxson's great. So we knew about him. And when he came to Kansas, like, oh, that's a really sneaky good hire. I like that hire. That's good. Now, what works well for Iowa State in this instance is that Kansas does not like to play defense. They give it about 402.5 yards a game, or about. That is exactly what they give up. They give up a lot of yards per game. They allow a lot of points. Apart from their first game of the year, they've given up over 27 points every game. They allowed 10 their first game because they played Tennessee. What, what Tennessee? Is this Tennessee Tech? Is that what this school is called? Yeah, Tennessee Tech Golden Eagles. Very elite program. Insanely elite program. But like against West Virginia, they gave up 42. Against Houston, they gave up 30. Against Duke, they gave up 27. Now, their offense is scoring at freaking will. Like in every single game this year, they've scored above 35. <laughs> they've scored 56, 55, 48, and 35. Like their offense is going freaking crazy right now. Jalen Daniels is balling out. And we saw what could he could do last year against Texas. We knew this isn't like out of the question of him balling out this year. We saw his potential there. It was a matter of if he could reach it. But 11 touchdowns, passing four on the ground. He's leading Kansas in rushing yards. Like he's playing his balls off this year. He's balling out. I'm excited for this. I'm excited. I think Kansas should be in the top 25. But that being said, I think Iowa State wins. I think Iowa State comes in motivated after a loss against Baylor at home. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a tough game. I'm excited to see what happens. This game is at 2:30, so I'll be following along with my phone. Cause I'm gonna I'm gonna try and go down to William Penn, go down to Oski to watch the William Penn versus Central Methodist game. William Penn's fresh off a dub, so you know what well, that's big. It's homecoming as well, but I can't. I I don't think Iowa State loses to Kansas. I think Kansas is tough. Kansas is a great story. Kansas is scoring at freaking will, but I think Iowa State's easily the best defense they're gonna play at least up until this point. Like, Houston, West Virginia, Duke aren't necessarily known for their defensive prowess. I'm sorry. So, I think this game against Iowa State should present a real... This is going to be... Kansas, it's weird to say, this is Kansas' first real test of the season in my mind. And I think Iowa State wins. Sadly, I want Kansas to be undefeated, but I think Iowa State wins this game. Because I think Iowa State being motivated, coming off a tough loss against Baylor, they'll bounce back hard. And then for the Panthers... The UNI Panthers, sticking with the Iowa theme. UNI is taking on Indiana State this week. Now, they had, they came up with a must-win game against Western Illinois, a game they struggled with a lot more than what I was expecting. Like, it took them a little bit to actually get going in that game. I believe in the first quarter, it was 0-0 after one. Like, they struggled in that game. They lost a tough one in North, North Dakota, and they just got blown out by Sacramento State at home. They scored, but they just got it just wasn't a great game for UNI. 
That was one of my that those two games, North North Dakota and Sacramento State, were two games I had circled about. Oh, this could be a possible loss for you and I. I think being at home against Sacramento State, I thought they could cover it. I know Sacramento State's good. It was going to be a different Sacramento State team than what the team you and I played last year. But I was like, at home, I think you and I can do it. They didn't. They did not do it. And North Dakota, they're just a solid team. That game was tough. I I had no faith against Air Force. And then Western Illinois, though they struggled for most of the game, or most of the game, early on in the game, they did wake up in the second quarter and then start blowing them out towards the end of the game. Theo Day played really well. He had three touchdowns in the game. He had a nice rushing attack, which is something they didn't really have last week against North Dakota. It was fun. This is the type of game you wanted from Northern Northern Iowa. And then for Indiana State, they're one and two. So both team is both teams are one win on the season. And Indiana State's confidence is not necessarily at its highest. They're coming off a of two back-to-back blowout losses. They just got blown up by Montana 49-14 on the 17th of September. So they're on a bye week. But yeah, I can't I can't see you and I winning losing this game. I really don't think you and I, I think you and I's passing attack. You look at the two teams they played. Especially Purdue, uh, Purdue's a different level, but their defense isn't very good. Their defense is not, it's not great. I don't think you and I should really struggle that much in this game. I think they win fairly easily. Maybe I'm overstepping, but I think they can win fairly easily. They're on a nice little home stretch right now. They play Illinois State and Utah Tech next, so I think they can. They should. They should blow out Utah Tech. They should blow them out of the friggin' water. They play Missouri State on the 22nd, which will be an insanely tough game. But I think they could be. In, I could think they can go through and win three games there, and go into Missouri State game at three and three, or four and three. Sorry, I don't think they'll beat Missouri State, but it'll be. <laughs> they have nice momentum carrying into that game. Yeah, but yeah, I think all state of Iowa teams, at least the big ones, should come away with W's. William Penn he gets such a myth that it's William Penn run the spread now. William Penn has to come away with the dub there. Big dubs for William Penn on homecoming. Willie P will be tra- dancing around campus. Be freaking awesome. Let's go, Statesman. Let's beat the hell out of the Central Method. I think they're the Eagles. I think they're the Eagles. But, yeah, college football is fun. I- I'm excited for this weekend. This weekend t- this weekend lines up to be fun because we got a lot of really good matches. we got Utah State-BYU, which BYU should win easily in Provo at night. You guys will know what happened in that one. We have Washington take on UCLA, which will be another fun one. Iowa-Michigan, we got Kentucky-Ole Miss, which is also on at 11. So I'd recommend you have both games on at the same time because that's going to be a really, really fun one. Ole Miss is favored, but I think Kentucky will come out a win there. We got Oklahoma versus TCU. Purdue-Minnesota. Purdue off to a 2-2 two and two start. Lost week one to Penn State, then lost to Syracuse on a heartbreaker on a beautiful throw by Garrett Schrader. And Minnesota in the top 25. Which feels like the first time in forever. Then we got Texas Tech taking on Kansas State. Oregon State-Utah, which would be actually a really fun game. Alabama-Arkansas, that one's going to be interesting because we kind of talked about this on Wednesday. Arkansas's got no pass defense. They've got absolutely no semblance of a pass defense. I think this game could be bad. Like, I think Arkansas has talent on offense, and they could run the ball extremely well, but their defense stinks. They got a couple good linebackers in there, but their defense in general just stinks. Like, I feel like this is going to be like the Georgia game from last year where I was confident going into the game where Arkansas would cover, and then they just got absolutely shit-stomped. I do think Arkansas is a little hard done by to drop 10 spots in the rankings after losing to a top 25 team at a neutral site by two points. I think dropping 10 spots is ridiculous, but that, I don't think they, I don't think they'll win this game. What are they giving up yards-wise on defense? They're going to 401 yards a game and 302.5 yards a game through the air. 
Like, their defense is struggling. They've given up over 20 points all games this year, and one of those games against Missouri State, and that was at home. This one's at home. They've had three games at home, one on the on a neutral site, kind of away. It was in Texas against Texas A&M. But Alabama, according to ESPN, has a 93.1% chance to win. I'm, God, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> then we got Ohio State and Rutgers. That's going to be brutal. 39 and a half is the line. It was 40 and a half, so they're expecting Rutgers a little bit more. we got a Big 12 championship rematch. Oklahoma State versus Baylor. Northwestern Penn State could be interesting, I guess. <laughs> Wake Forest versus Florida State is going to be fun. A&M versus Mississippi State. Love that game. Will Rogers and the Bulldogs hosting the AM Aggies. A&M, or Mississippi State's favored, which I'm kind of surprised about, but not really. Mississippi State's offense is a lot better than AM's, but AM's defense is a lot better than Mississippi State's defense. So we'll see how that one works out. We got Georgia Tech on Missouri. NC State Clemson, top 10 matchup there. Georgia Tech versus Pitt. Arizona State, USC, and Stanford in Oregon. I do not see a world where Stanford upsets Oregon this time around. And I, I, I kind of wanted to talk about this earlier when we were talking about the quarterbacks with Will Rogers. Will Rogers is a very interesting cat to talk about this year. He leads the nation in, in passing touchdowns. He's up there in completion percentage. He's set number two in yards. So why is he sitting at number nine on these rankings? When you look at draft prospects, okay, offense styles matter quite a bit to the people that are drafting. And Will Rogers comes from an air raid style of offense, similar to the run and shoot offense from the 90s. Like, you're passing religiously. Like, a few years ago, who was it? I think it was Mississippi State. I think it was Mississippi State last year. They were dead last in the country in rushing yards per game. What are they sitting at right now? What's their rushing attack? It's got to be near the bottom. It's not bottom, but it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. Eighth worst in college football. Passing offense, though, if you want to switch it to that, they are sitting at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th in the country in passing offense. This is a style of offense that's extremely, extremely one-dimensional. So it makes it hard to judge it as other offenses do that you see more variables in their offense. And this style of offense, it's a lot of one-step throw, one-step throw, one-step throw. Like your pre-snap read and then something short. That's usually how it works out. Mississippi State throws a lot of screen plays, a lot of run of the catch. So it's kind of hard to judge Rodgers in that sense. It's kinda, that's why it was hard to judge Carl, Charles Cross going into the NFL last year. Because Charles Cross, elite pass blocker, we didn't know what he could do running the ball because Mississippi State just doesn't do it. So it's kind of hard to judge him and say he's the guaranteed best tackle in the draft. You see the potential there, but you have no idea. We said the same thing about, um, oh crap, the Washington State tackle. Who got drafted by the Eagles? Andre Dillard. Everybody said the same thing about him. But you never saw him run the block, run block. So when he got to the NFL, it just didn't work. I don't know if he ever started the game. If he did, he's like you could count him on one hand. Like, it could be tough. These styles of offenses are very hard to judge on how they do at the next level. Now, the most, like you look at the NFL right now, the most air raid style-ish offense is the Buffalo Bills offense. Like, they threw it 63 times last week. Like, they do not run the ball. Like, there was a stretch against the Titans where they threw it, like, 26 times in a row. The Bills do not run the ball. But what Josh Allen could do is run the ball himself. So they're getting some other looks running the ball, but Mississippi State's not doing that. So it is hard to judge that style of offense because it's not anything the NFL is going to do. There's no NFL offense other than the Bills 
who have a special case because they have a running quarterback, that's going to work in the NFL. So it's hard to judge that. So you always hear the, the take of, will this style work in the NFL? Will, will Will Rogers' game style work in the NFL? I don't know. All I do know, the dude is accurate. On some of the throws he does have down the field that aren't past, are not in between one to five yards, which again, Mississippi State throws a lot of those. But he does have a nice deep ball. He does place some balls over the middle of the field that are past five yards that are very, very good. So I think his accuracy can help him on that, but his numbers will be inflated. It's why you have a little like Bailey Zappi, who broke all Joe Burrow's records, which is why Joe Burrow's was so much more impressive because Joe Burrow was not on a just run-and-shoot offense. Like, they ran the ball a bunch. Like, Clyde Zalera had 1,600 yards rushing that year. And he still broke every single significant NCAA passing record. And then Bailey Zappi comes in, and he did against SEC defenses, no, mind you. Bailey Zappi comes in with Western Kentucky run for, or pass first, pass only, air raid style offense, breaks all his records. It's not as impressive. And he's not as big as Burrow, doesn't have a stronger arm, bro. You know, it's whatever. But it can be very hard to judge. It can be very hard to judge these offenses. So be careful. I say, be careful with saying Will Rogers, numbers-wise, yes, should definitely be up there, and that's why he's on the top 10. But it's hard to move him up because they – it's just a weird – it's just a strange – it's a very weird offense. Like, whether, what air raid quarterback has been elite in the NFL? Like, Graham Harrell was one of those guys at Texas Tech. Similarly, played with Mike Leach at Texas Tech. Like, Gardner Minshew, probably? And he's a backup right now. He had some success in the NFL up to this point. He's a fan favorite, but I don't think there's a lot of teams out there that go, yes, we want Gardner Minshew as our starting quarterback. It just doesn't happen. So it's got to be careful. Now, moving over to the NFL, speaking of the Bills, they play the Ravens. And the Bills this week, like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, or uh, Josh Allen and Von Miller have said Lamar Jackson should be the highest paid player in the NFL. They must be listening to Logan Blackman show because we've been saying the same thing. Lamar Jackson it looks like his old self. He, his old self, he just looks like his normal self. He's not battling any injuries right now. He's playing very, very well. The secondary is still a little wishy-washy, but their their offense is looking good. Lamar's looking really good on offense. And this week against Buffalo, two teams that have lost the Miami Dolphins this year, it's going to be tough. It's going to be fun, though. It's going to be fun. The series between Lamar and Josh at 1-1. to Remember the Bills beat the Ravens in the playoffs two years ago in Buffalo with Taron Johnson having 99 yards pick six. Greatest play of my life as a Bills fan. And... That, yeah, the Bills are coming off a long, hard, rough game against the Dolphins where they ran 90-plus plays in blistering heat. It's not going to be 90-plus degrees in Baltimore. It's supposed to be 72. Ain't going to be 100-plus degrees on the football field. They're not going to be blasted in the sun the entire game. It's going to be fair for the Bills, and I expect them to win because given how the Ravens' secondary has fallen apart at random points throughout the season, I think with the Bills and how elite their passing attack has been this year, like Josh... Josh leads the league in passing yards. But mind this, he didn't play the third quarter against the Titans. Josh Allen has played one less quarter than almost every quarterback that's in the top five in passing yards. And he still leads the league in passing yards. That's what we're talking about with how great this Bills passing attack is. He doesn't even need to play a quarter. And he still leads the league in passing yards. And with the Ravens and how, again, suspect their secondary has been, I expect Josh... Diggs, Gabe Davis, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, James McGrath, they're tearing apart. But I think the Ravens have enough weapons on offense. Uh, I, I say enough weapons. It's two of them. It's Lamar and Mark Andrews. <laughs> Devin Duvernay scored a touchdown every game, though. So, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be disrespecting Devin Duvernay. Devin Duvernay. 
But it's going to be fun. I think the Bills will win. I think the Bills will cover. I can see the Bills winning by 10, but there are times this season where they shoot themselves in the foot. They did it a lot against the Dolphins. They did it in the first half against the Rams. They did it to a certain extent at some portions versus the Titans. Which is weird to say because they won 31-10 to and 41-10 to in those two games against the Rams and Titans. But if they can clean all those up, I don't think they'll have a lot of problems with the, the Ravens secondary. It's just, can you hold Lamar back? It's going to be, a, the Bills are just going to have to try and stop Lamar. It's going to be difficult. It's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. Because again, like we said on Wednesday, these two quarterbacks can do things that no one else in this league can do. No one other quarterback is stiff-arming D linemen like Josh's or jumping over linebackers. No one's outrunning corners at the quarterback position like Lamar is. So it's just a very, this is an insane game with two very unique quarterbacks. And we got a game tonight. We talked about the two teams that lost the Dolphins. The Bills, the Dolphins and Bengals are playing. You guys will know what would happen. I think the Bengals will win. I think the Bengals will win this game. Uh, Tua is questionable again because of a back and tough ankle injury head. But you know what? I think the Bengals will be back. If the Bengals, so the Bengals are rocking the white ones, white helmets and everything. They're debuting the white helmets. Dolphins need to rock the retros. And the Dolphins need to rock the retros every single week. So those are their best uniforms by far. That's a top five uniform in the NFL. NFL history, I'd even say. Not even just right now. Top five uniform in NFL history is the Dolphins retro uniforms. And that's coming from a Bills fan. So if you're saying I'm being biased about the Bills versus Dolphins stuff, Dolphins got some of the best uniforms in the NFL if they rock their retro stuff. They just need to do it. They just haven't done it. And if they do that, they'll be beautiful. And if they rock those tonight, be beautiful. But I think the Bengals, I think the Bengals will be back. I think Melvin Ingram will wreck havoc tonight because the Bengals off the line has been basically a bunch of no-look blocks this year. But I, I think the Bengals, with the talent they have, coming off a win, they just needed to figure out, oh, we can win. I think they can get that tonight. Now, I am scared for Eli Apple. I am very scared for him because Tyreek Hill is going to line up against him, and I would imagine Tyreek Hill is going to have close to 200 yards receiving tonight. But <laughs> at least that's what it feels like. But a lot of those yards need to go Jalen Wall. I have Jalen Wall in fantasy. Then we got the Chargers and Texans, and this is what we talked about before the season started. Chargers hurting themselves. It's not anything they can control. Joey Bosa's out for at least six weeks with a groin injury. And then you got Rashawn Slater out for the season with a torn bicep. Or ruptured bicep, I think is what they called it. Like, this is just the most Chargers thing ever. The Chargers, if they can stay healthy, if they can avoid injuries, this team is good. They have so much talent on this roster. But they just can't stay healthy. They can't get out of their own ways. Like, how do you lose by 28 points at home to the Jaguars? Like, it's in L.A., but how do you lose to 28 points to the, Char the Jaguars? Keenan Allen's been hurt. Herbert's been hurt. Like, there's – if the Chargers can stay healthy, they are a really, really good team. They should have no issues with the Texans. Regardless of if Sean Slater's playing or not, whether if Bozo's playing or not, they should have no issues with the Texans. And I don't think they will, but they shouldn't. The Texans could run the ball well with Bre Damian Pierce, but – they should not have any problems there. Saints-Vikings, London game. Uh, I, yeah, I'm going to be sleeping through that. I ain't waking up at 7. I'm not waking up at 8 to watch this game. I'm not. I do not care about this game. <laughs> I do not give a rat's ass about this Vikings-Saints game. I'm sorry. Falcons-Browns, the Deshaun Watson Bowl. Deshaun Watson's not playing for either team, though. <laughs> Browns should win. Browns should beat the Falcons. Even though Miles Garrett's out, uh, they should win. Commanders-Cowboys. Cowboys should win. <laughs> they should. And then we're going to have another week of Cooper Rush. is the greatest thing of all time. He's going to take Dak's spot. All these things. Play for the Indianapolis Colts next year. They get traded the next offseason. It's going to be Case Keenum all over again. It's going to be fun. we got Seahawks, Lions, Titans, Colts, Bears, Giants, Jags, Eagles. 
Jets, Steelers, Zach Wilson should be back this week. At least that's what I've read. Could be wrong. Then Cardinals, Panthers, Patriots, Packers, Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs, Bucks, and then Monday Night Football got Rams and Niners, which would be a lot more fun if Trey Lance was playing, but he's not. Because remember, they are a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo and him running out of the end zone. We love this style of team. Uh, <laughs> I hope Trey Lance is. I hope Trey Lance is back healthy next year because I think he. I he's super talented. He needs to play. He just needs to play football. Like he hasn't played real football in about two, three years. I just need. I just need him to play. I just need Trey Lance to play. And if he plays, he'll be fine because he's that talented. But he just needs to play. Now we got some very fun quarterback matchups. We got we got Tua versus Burrow. We got Trevor Lawrence versus Jalen Hurts. We've got Josh versus Lamar. We got Mahomes versus Brady. We've got Marcus Mariota versus Jacoby Brissett. We've got Mitch Trubisky and Zach Wilson. We've got Brian Hoyer. Is Brian Hoyer playing for the Patriots this week? Because Mac Jones got those awesome pictures from the high ankle sprain. And Bill Belichick had a Bill Belichick quote and was like, what do I look like, a doctor? Day to day. So we got Brian Hoyer versus Aaron Rodgers. Elite versus the elite right there. We got Russell Wilson versus Derek Carr. You know, you got... Uh, Russell Wilson, who's uh, got the Danger Witch out, which is scary. And then you got future Hall of Famer Derek Carr. So it's just going to be an elite matchup there as well. We got Daniel Jones taking on Justin Fields, which you could say it's the Ohio State game because a lot of Giants fans wanted Dwayne Haskins when they drafted Daniel Jones. Now they're playing an Ohio State quarterback. So maybe that's the the narrative we're going to have there. Tannehill versus Matt Ryan. I, I, I don't know. Uh, two two old guys. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Goff versus Geno. Fun. <laughs> Cooper Rush versus Carson Wentz. Fun. Jameis versus Kirk. I saw this on Twitter. Someone said, oh, man, I wish the queen was alive for this week. I know she'd love to watch Jameis versus Kirk. And I would too, but I'm just not going to be up for it. And then we got Herbert versus Davis Mills. Elite, elite quarterback match. I'm really excited for that, <laughs> that Brian Hoyer. Versus Aaron Rodgers one. I'm very excited for that one. I'm very, very excited for that. Do I think the Patriots are going to sign Lamar Jackson this offseason? No, I don't. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That's been popping up a lot recently. I think the Ravens would be stupid not to just re-sign Lamar. I think it'd be very stupid to not re-sign him. That'd be one of the dumbest things they ever did as an organization is not re-sign Lamar. They've done a lot right in their 20-plus years of existing. Not re-signing Lamar would be by far the dumbest thing. Need You need to re-sign Lamar. You saw what happened when you didn't have him on your team last year. Get him re-signed. Get him the money. He deserves the contract. He's won a unanimous MVP, one of two ever. He's gotten playoff wins. Like He's done all you need to do to get the big, 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 big contract. He needs more money than Kyler Murray and Deshaun. He's done more than those two. So get him paid. Get him paid. Now, with that being said, that's all I've got for you on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I do sincerely hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed the stories at the beginning of the show. We hope you enjoyed the analysis we provide, the elite analysis we usually always provide you here on the Logan Blackman Show. Usually always. It's a great way of use of words right there, Logan. But yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed it. If not, sorry. Try to be better next time. Make sure you're following Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. But most importantly, if you're not following or subscribed to the Apple Podcast and Spotify account, make sure you are. Leave a rating on a five stars on both. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And I will see you guys later. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.